Christ. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of being here this morning as a fellowship of believers, people who love you and wants to serve you. Thank you, Father, for Christ Jesus and what he did for us when he died on that cross nearly 2,000 years ago. Such a privilege to, to be able to come to you this morning and be reminded of the fact that Christ died for us, but that we can come to you and, and praise you and worship you and sing praises to your name and sing about the fact that Christ died for us because it, it happened. As we know that he only, not only died for us, but he rose from the grave and he is victorious over sin and death. And we are so grateful for that. Father, we come to you this morning as a needy people. We think of the family of that young man that was, was killed. We pray, Father, that you be with them. I just heard this morning that these parents, that they are believers and that they go to church. And we pray, Father, that you'll be with them in this time. A sad situation that they find themselves in, Father. And we pray that your hand will be upon them during this time of mourning the death of a young child. And we pray, Father, that you will be with them, that you will hold them close to yourself. And if there be anyone who does not know you as Lord and Savior, Father, that you will use this to draw them close to you and bring them to the point of salvation. As we pray in Jesus' precious name. We also pray for those in, in this local congregation who are not well, those who are not well in body, we pray, Father, that you will touch their bodies and restore them to health, if it be your will. We know that perfect healing is to be with you, so, Father, we pray that your will be done in each person's life. And we thank you, Father, for those who have been sick, who has shown recovery already. We, we thank you for that. And we thank you, Father, that you are in control, that you are the Almighty God, that you have life and death in your hands, that everything happens according to your sovereign plan and because you are the sovereign God so father as we go into the service now as we sing praises to your name we pray that you be glorified and that you will receive our praise as an offering to you and father we pray in Jesus precious name that we as the hearers of your word this morning that we will be edified and that we will take what we hear and apply to our lives as we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Right, let's um, stand and sing uh, two choruses before we continue with the, with the rest of the service. Shall we stand?
Oh 
Thank you. You may be seated. Matthew 27, from verse 51. Now the account of the death of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, or the Jewish Messiah, is basically recorded to us by four witnesses. We call it the Gospel Witness. Yeah? And... Um, these four witnesses kind of wrote to different audiences. If you take Matthew, for example, you will see that Matthew wrote to a, Judeus, a Jewish audience. So what he would do is, when he writes to the Jewish audience, he would include things in his writings that would speak to the Jewish people. They would understand what Matthew wanted to say to them. Mark, for example, if you read the Gospel according to Mark, you will see that he wrote to a mostly Greek or a Roman audience which basically suggests that it was a Gentile audience. And then Luke, he wrote to um, Theophilus. I always struggle with that word. Theophilus, and uh, Theophilus, obviously through him it went to others. And that means that it was both for the Jews and the non-Jews. And then John's Gospel, he wrote it to Jews and Hellenists and Samaritans which suggests also a Jewish and a non-Jewish audience. But this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at the account of Matthew, who wrote the gospel according to Matthew. And specifically, we're going to look at the signs that accompanied the death of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're going to read Matthew chapter 27, verse 51 to 56. Before we do that, though, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we have your word, that we can read it, and especially the account of what happened the day when Jesus Christ died on our behalf. What a day it was. A day in which the Savior of the world was rejected by his people, was crucified, and he died. He died as a criminal, yet he was without sin, and he did nothing wrong. The innocent died for those who are guilty. Father, we thank you so much. And as we read this passage this morning, I pray, Father, that you would please open it up to our hearts and allow us to receive your word and to understand your word so that we may apply the principles of your word to our lives every single day of our life. As we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, just before we read the text, I just want to... Place your focus on that, on that, um, what do you call that thing? Okay. Um, on the table in the front. There's some symbolism that's in that bouquet. You will see that there are three little plants that comes out at the top, and that represents the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the triune God. And He is overarchingly involved in the salvation of sinners. And then you'll see that there's two, two flowers that does this, that overarches one another. And basically what that represents is, you remember on the Ark of the Covenant, there were these two cherubim that, was, that covers the, the Ark of the Covenant. So that represents the two cherubim that basically covers the Ark of the Covenant, where the blood of Christ was poured out. 
Remember that Jesus Christ went into the heavenly tabernacle to, to pour out his blood once and for all on the heavenly tabernacle, on the, on, the, on the ark of the covenant that is in heaven or in the heavenlies. And the red roses represents the blood of Christ that was placed on the ark of the covenant. Um, and then just uh, you see those two pinkish flowers. I could be wrong about the color. But those pinkish flowers basically represents the, the old and the new covenant. The old covenant that is covered by the blood of Christ. You see the roses are just above it. It completes the covenant. This old covenant is completed in Christ. And the new covenant is the one on the top. Which we are now part of. Through what Christ Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary. So just some symbolism that is in the bouquet. That is on the table. Now in going back to the gospel according to Matthew. We see Matthew explain to the Jewish audience. About the signs that accompanied the death of Jesus Christ. Verse 51 says. Then behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked. And the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. That means they went into Jerusalem and they were seen by people in Jerusalem. Verse 54. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women who followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, were there looking on from afar. And among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Up to there in the wonderful word of God. Now, beloved, as we read through these verses, keep your Bibles open. I'm going to refer to these signs that we find here. In verse 51, you will see that there's the first sign, which is the veil of the temple that is torn in two from top to bottom. Also in verse 51, we see that the earth quaked. There was an earthquake there. And we see the rocks were split open. Uh, we basically open up the graves so that many bodies of the saints were raised on that specific moment. And then we see in verse 53 that these saints who rose from the grave after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they went into the holy city, into Jerusalem, and they appeared to many people. Uh, you will notice that they didn't, um, the graves didn't open up and they started moving into Jerusalem at that specific moment. They only did it after the resurrection of Jesus Christ because Christ was the firstborn from the dead. Right? So they couldn't be raised from the dead before Jesus Christ would be raised from the dead. He would be the firstborn. Okay. Then we see in verse 54 that the centurion and those who were with him who were basically guarding the body of Jesus Christ, who were guarding the three uh, crosses that were up there, what they did was, this is the declaration of the centurion, truly this was the Son of God. And then there's a last sign that I want to focus your attention on. It's in verse 55 and verse 56. And that is the woman who stood afar off, 
they are mentioned by Matthew but you will notice that the disciples are not there they are not mentioned it's only the woman that is mentioned at that specific stage now what is so significant about this specific signs that that Matthew basically gives us on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and that he wrote down for us is that the veil for example that was torn in two is significant because it basically declared to the Jews that the separation that used to exist between God and sinful mankind is now gone. No more separation. The death of Jesus Christ, the Messiah that they rejected, brought reconciliation between God and sinful mankind. Uh, if you go to verse 50, uh, 45, you will see that there was darkness on the land at that specific stage. The light of the world, Jesus Christ. Remember that the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. John speaks about it. The light that came into the world and the world rejected the light. Amazing how the earth joined in with this, the mourning of the death of Jesus Christ, it became dark. Just before Jesus Christ gave his last breath, the sun was darkened, and there was darkness upon the land at that specific stage. You see, the light of the world was about to be snuffed out as he took our sin upon himself. As he took the sin of sinners upon himself, darkness came upon this earth it's amazing that even the earth reacted to the death of Jesus Christ the sun turned to darkness as the son of God became sin for us and he gave his last breath and he did it voluntarily it's not as if Jesus was forced to give his life he did it voluntarily he died on our behalf where in fact he didn't have to do anything but he did it because he was showing grace, even to people who rejected him, to the Jews at that specific stage. Love it, the veil that was between the holies and the most holy place was torn from top to bottom. Not from the bottom to the top. I mean, if you would come with scissors and you would cut this, this veil, you would normally start at the bottom eh, and cut upward, up. This just tells us that this veil was torn by God. Because God split it from top to bottom. And this veil opened up to break the separation that used to exist between the holy place and the most holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence was. This veil is now split open, which means that it's not only the high priest that could now go into the most holy place. You remember the high priest would go in once a year to bring an offering on behalf of the people. And if he didn't go through all the rituals that he has, was supposed to go through, the cleansing rituals, he would not be allowed to go in in the first place. And if he did go in and he didn't go through all the, of the cleaning rituals, God would strike him dead. Because something unholy could not go into the most holy place, couldn't go into the presence of the Almighty God. And with this veil that was torn from the top to the bottom means that the holy place, the presence of God, is now accessible to anybody that would enter in. 
because uh, it was Jesus Christ and His blood. The fact that He died on our behalf, that this veil was torn from top to bottom. And sinners who repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone would now have access to the throne of God, to the presence of God, to the throne of grace, which was represented now by the, the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, the Shekinah glory that was with His people. They now have access to His presence. No longer would there be separation between God and sinful mankind. No, Jesus Christ would be the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, would take away the sins of the world. Amazing. Absolutely amazing that the separation no longer existed. And beloved, the wonderful thing is that anybody who confesses their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ can now enter in to the most holy place. They can now enter into the throne room of grace and speak to the Almighty God personally. We can now talk to God personally. Before we needed a representative. We needed a high priest to go on our behalf. Now we don't need it anymore. We can go and confess our sins before the Almighty God personally. Because the blood of Jesus Christ opened up a perfect way for us to be able to come into the presence of the Almighty God. But not only was the veil torn in two, the passage tells us that the earthquake. The rocks were split, and the graves of many of the saints opened up. We see that in verse 51 and verse 52. Now, by the way, this sign is only recorded in Matthew's Gospel. You won't find it in the other Gospels. And I believe that the, the reason for this is most probably because the readers were Jewish. Now, they were Jews. And that would be significant to them. You see, Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, was supposed to have power over death and the grave. That was the understanding, the Jewish understanding of the Old Testament, is that the Jewish Messiah needed to have victory over death, and not just victory, but power over death, power over the grave. And amazing, when the graves opened up, and later on after the resurrection, when they moved around in Jerusalem before they received their glorified bodies and were taken into heaven, when they moved around Jerusalem, it would be proof to the Jews that Jesus, in Christ, uh, Jesus Christ indeed was the Jewish Messiah. Because what happened was the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 26 verse 19. If you want to turn there quickly. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 19. Listen to this prophecy. And this had to come into fulfillment. Remember, Jesus Christ fulfilled every single prophecy that pertained to His first coming. To His death, His burial, His resurrection, His life, His birth. All the prophecies of the Old Testament was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And even this one that we read about in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 19. It says, Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise, awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. See, the earth reacted 
on the resurrection of the Messiah. First, the earth reacted to the death of the Messiah. Darkness came upon the earth. But already the earth, in anticipation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that was coming, the earth opened up. The rocks split up, split open, so that it could open up the graves, so that those who died, so that they could rise from the dead. Of which Christ obviously was the first one to rise from the dead. And then the people saw those saints walking around Jerusalem, obviously testifying about their own resurrection. That was proof that Jesus Christ was indeed the Jewish Messiah. And that's why it's important that it's written here in the Gospel according to Matthew, because it's written to the Jews. The Jews needed to hear that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the, or Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and that is the person they rejected. Remember, they said, crucify him. Crucify him. When indeed, he was the Jewish Messiah. You see, beloved, the graves opened up when Jesus died and many saints rose from the grave after Jesus' resurrection. We read that in verse 53. Because Jesus was the firstborn. He was the first fruit of the resurrection. These saints received glorified bodies to be with the Lord forever and ever after Jesus rose from the grave. Let me tell you, amazing. What a miracle. What a miracle. What a sign that the graves would release those who were dead. Many saints rose from the dead. Now when you go to verse 54, we read. This is quite important. Especially also because of the fact that uh, what we have here is we have Jesus Christ... Um, or how can I say uh, Matthew writing to a Jewish audience about the Messiah so verse 54 says the following so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened they feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God listen very carefully This was the Son of God, referring to the fact that Jesus Christ, the man that hung on that tree, that cursed tree, was the Son of God. That's a massive declaration, by the way. Massive declaration. Now the question is, why would this observation of the centurion and those who were with him be assigned to the Jews? Why would it be assigned to them? When, when Matthew included the words of the centurion and those who were with him, he did it with a purpose. Remember, Matthew was inspired by the Holy Spirit. No? The writers of the Bible was driven by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down what they wrote down. All right, so there's a very specific reason why Matthew tells us about the centurion that makes this declaration. Let me explain it this way. In Bible times, specifically in the times when Jesus was alive, it was very important to have at least two witnesses before something would be true. If you only had one witness, 
You can't accept the word of that one witness. So you needed at least two or more witnesses to actually confirm that what is being said is true. Now Matthew tells us that the centurion and those who were with him were, who were basically making sure that these people that were on the, uh, on, the, on the cross, that they actually had to die. They had to suffocate and die. They had to make sure that they are dead before they were taken down from the cross. The execution had to be finalized first before they could be taken down. And this is what the centurion was doing. He was a Roman soldier in high esteem among the Roman people at that specific stage, guarding these people that were hanging on that cross to make sure that they are dead. When they saw all the signs up to that point, which means they saw the darkness, they saw the veil that tore from top to bottom, they experienced the earthquake, they must have experienced the, the, the rocks splitting open. They experienced all these things, and it brought fear on them. Who wouldn't be fearful if things like that happened to them? I mean, I would have been fearful. Because these are all supernatural things that happen. Things that you would never ever have even heard about. So fear came upon them. But because it is the centurion and those who were with him, we don't only have one witness here. It's not just the centurion that said, oh no, he is the son of God, or he truly was the son of God. No, it's the centurion and those with him, which means we have multiple witnesses here. So what Matthew is saying to this Jewish audience is, what is being said here, all the signs that took place on that specific moment, they are all true. These people are witnesses, and by the way, they were not Jews. These were Romans who were witnesses to the things that happened when the Jewish Messiah was dying. So he's bringing in witnesses that are not Jews. He's bringing in Gentiles to testify to the fact that Jesus Christ or the, the signs actually happened and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now I want you to listen to this. Because there's something very important. The words that the centurion uses, truly this was the Son of God. The fact that the centurion used those words was dangerous for him. The fact that Matthew wrote those words down was dangerous for Matthew. Why? Very simple. Remember that Israel was under Roman rule. And what happened was the Caesar was declared as Lord. They would have this, this world, uh, words, uh, these words that would say that the Roman Empire would always declare that Caesar kurios, which meant Caesar is Lord. You're not allowed to say Jesus is Lord. You're not allowed to say Jesus is king or Jesus is supreme in authority. Jesus has all authority. You could not say that. If you said that, it would be treason. See how dangerous it was for the centurion to cry out? Truly, this was the Son of God. 
And you see what happened was the first Caesar that was so bold, he proclaimed himself to be God. Okay? That's where this whole thing comes from. Caesar, kurios, that Caesar is Lord. So the first Caesar declared himself to be God. And every single Caesar after that would be called the son of God. You hear me? So, here comes the centurion. And he says, not Caesar is the son of God. Jesus was the son of God. He committed treason. You know what happened if you were found guilty of treason? You would get the death penalty. You know why they crucified people in those days? They crucified people so that it could be a sign to anyone who dared to stand up against Caesar, who dared to stand up against the Roman Empire, to say to them, if you dare to commit treason or you dare to stand up against Rome, what is going to happen is that this is going to happen to you. And that's why people hung on that cross and why it took so long for them to die. It was excruciating. It was, there was so much pain that went along with crucifixion. And remember, Jesus was crucified 9 o'clock in the morning. This was already 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So he was on the cross for a few hours already. And when Jesus gave his last breath, the centurion cried out. And I mean, he's witnessing crucifixion. He's looking at the most gruesome way to die. And he declares right there at the, uh, at the cross. And he says, this was the Son of God. And he stood up against Caesar immediately, right there. Obviously, when Matthew wrote it down, it was also treason because he dared to stand up against Caesar. He dared to stand up against the authorities of those days. How is it possible that a Roman soldier, a Roman officer, would make a declaration like that knowing what the penalty of saying such a thing would be. What would move this Roman officer to do that? And those who were with him, what moved him? I believe he couldn't do anything but declare that Jesus is the Son of God because of everything that happened. Everything that he experienced and they experienced on that day was just beyond their understanding. It was so supernatural. It was something that they could not understand. Maybe they already heard something from the Jews about the Messiah that was supposed to come. And they would know maybe some of the prophecies of the Old Testament about who this Messiah would be. But let me tell you, the declaration, the words that came out of that centurion's mouth was there because the Holy Spirit worked it in him to make that declaration. And even knowing that he could die, it was treason. There are countries in the world today, beloved. If you would stand up and declare boldly that Jesus is King, 
that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the only way of salvation. There's no other way to be saved but through Jesus Christ. You could face death in many countries today. You see, the leaders of the world, they don't want to hear that there's another king. In actual fact, there's only one king, and that is Jesus. They don't want to hear that there's one Lord because they believe that they are Lord. They are the one to be worshipped. They are the ones that is supposed to be lifted up on high. So if anybody comes and lifts up Jesus and declares Him Lord and declares Him King, declares Him the Son of God, it's an offense to them. And let's call it the worldly laws will come into place. And you will have to face death. See the centurion. Something happened in him. When he saw the signs. When he experienced what was happening in front of him. When he saw the Son of God. The Messiah. Die with everything that happened. When he heard him say. It is finished. When he heard him give the last breath. When he used the Greek word, tetelestai, which means it is completed. My job is done in completion. When he heard all of that, the centurion could do nothing else but to declare Jesus is or was truly the Son of God. Beloved, let me tell you, that's when you have an encounter with the true Messiah. That's if you have an encounter with the Son of God. It changes your life that you are willing to die for the testimony of that which you have experienced and what you have seen. And every person that is born of the Spirit of God, every person that has experienced forgiveness of sin, every person that has been delivered from the bondage and the power of sin will declare with boldness, Jesus is my Lord. In fact, Jesus is the only Lord, even if they face death. And I believe that's why Christians all over the world are facing persecution and they do it without even blinking an eye. They would face death and they would take death because they had an encounter with the Almighty. They had an encounter with the Jewish Messiah. But there's one more sign that Matthew gives us, and that's in verse 55 and verse 66. Uh, 56. And, and at, at, at first glance, you would think that's not a sign. But for the Jews, that was an amazing sign. You see, Matthew excludes the disciples. And he only mentions the women who were ministering to Jesus was standing afar off. Because remember in those days, women were seen as second-hand citizens. And what is amazing is, when Matthew talks, he talks about women, not the men. And he says, they were there. They were witnessing these things. They were the ones who ministered to Jesus Christ while He was in Galilee. And he places the focus on the woman. And this was a sign to the Jews 
that God is going to do something different here. In Christ, everybody becomes new. In Christ, the playing field is equal, just like he did in creation. Remember the Jewish system, the Jewish religion messed up everything. But in Christ, we're equal. What happens is we all have different functions. Now. Men cannot do what women do, and women cannot do what men do. Men cannot become women, and women cannot become men. Even though the world is telling us it's possible, it's not possible. We have different functions because that's the way God created us to be. But in the sight of God, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to who we are in Christ, the fact that we are created equally in the sight of God, we are all equal. And no worldly system can bring people down and make them less of what God has made them to be. And that's what Jesus Christ came to recover and to, re to restore. To restore women to the place that God intended from the beginning. And that's why through the years, Christians or Christianity has been such a, a force to be reckoned with with regards to women and men in society. We do believe in different roles, for sure. But when it comes to who we are in Christ, we are equal. Christ is Lord of both men and women. Beloved, and I believe this makes it a sign. Specifically to the Jews. So that they could understand something new is going to happen here. Something new is going to come out of this. You see, the death of Jesus Christ would change everything. And I conclude with this. Salvation would come to the Gentiles. And why would salvation come to the Gentiles? The first declaration of the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God comes through the mouth of a Gentile. Not a Jew. It wasn't the disciples who stood there and said, Oh, oh Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Jewish Messiah. That's not how it came. It came through the centurion and those who were with him. It came through Gentiles, which meant that salvation would come to the Gentiles. But it also shows us this, what, what we see here and what Jesus has done is that women would be restored to their rightful place as God intended it to be from creation. Israel would be judged because they rejected the Messiah. And by the way, the judgment that we see, we don't see it, it's not a physical judgment, but the fact that God doesn't use a Jew to declare that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and um, how can I say, and it starts with the Gentiles, and He uses a Gentile, is a judgment on Israel. That's judgment if God doesn't even use His own people to declare that Jesus is truly the Messiah, the Son of God. So Israel would be judged because of their rejection of the Messiah. And the death of Jesus Christ would be, or the death in Christ, or the dead, sorry, the dead in Christ would be raised from the dead with Jesus Christ as being the firstborn from the dead. Reconciliation would be made between God and fallen man, and it's all because of what Christ Jesus did. 
our sins would be forgiven us in Christ Jesus and all in all Jesus Christ the Jewish Messiah would take up his lawful position as the Son of God the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because that's who he is that hasn't changed and by the way when the um, centurion made the declaration, declaration this was the Son of God he wasn't saying something new that was a confirmation of who Jesus Christ is he has always been and he will forever be exactly the same he is the second person of the Trinity he is God the Son and he will be the God the Son forever and ever beloved and all of this was done to precision every single sign had a purpose and I hope you see that purpose it was done to such precision so that all the prophecies about Jesus Christ would be fulfilled. And because Jesus truly is the Son of God, because He is the true, uh, truly is the Jewish Messiah, our Savior, the one who died for our sins according to the Scriptures, we can now put our trust completely and fully in Him. And in him alone. So I want to leave you with this question. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? What do you believe? Do you believe he is the Son of God? Do you believe he is the Jewish Messiah? Do you believe that he is the one who died on the cross to take the punishment for your sin? Do you believe he is everything as declared in God's word? Because if you don't, then you reject him just like the Jews rejected Jesus. But if you do believe, if you've made this your own, you're like that centurion with the Holy Spirit worked it in him to declare truly Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for your love and kindness towards us and thank you for these signs that has been written down for us so that we can read them and, and see them and understand them from a biblical perspective from a Jewish perspective and just see how awesome you are and how amazing you are you were and, and precise in every single thing that you did to show us that Jesus Christ indeed is the Jewish Messiah that Jesus Christ truly is the Son of God that Jesus Christ truly is Lord. He is King. He is Sovereign. He's Supreme over all things. And that He truly died. And thank You, Father, in two days' time. On Sunday morning, when the woman went to the grave, when they got there, the grave was empty. He wasn't there anymore. He rose from the dead. And thank You that on Sunday morning we can celebrate the resurrection of Christ. 
So we pray, Father, as we are reminded of, what the, of the fact that Jesus died for us, I pray that may it sink into our hearts just once again, because we need to be reminded often. And Father, I pray in Jesus' precious name, on Sunday when we get together to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, that it will have meaning for each one of us. I pray for those who have not come to faith in Jesus Christ, that do not believe, that reject Him the way the Jews rejected Him. I pray that their spiritual eyes will open up to see the truth. And that they will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for us who are believers. Father, may it just burn into our hearts once again that we will rejoice in who Christ is and that we will boldly proclaim that indeed Jesus is Lord. Jesus is King. Jesus is Supreme. Jesus is our Savior. And He is the only way to be saved. Give us that boldness, Father, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Jesus' precious name.